peak of the week, and it's time for another episode of College Gridiron. We are so glad that you are with us. This is now the week seven edition, I think, if I haven't lost count already. I got to about week nine or week ten last year. I just lost count. But I'm with my partner, Nick DeLuca. I'm Jimmy Sullivan. Glad you could be with us. Another episode. You love to see it, Nick. You do love to see it. It was a great weekend of college football for everybody, just about everybody, except UCF. They're the ones you hate to see. Shout out to Cincinnati for some great Twitter content over the weekend. Cincinnati, if you have not seen it, made a tremendous video. It was like a Disney movie, and at the end of it, there was a a rolling scroll at the bottom that just said, you hate to see it. And we were talking before the show, and you brought out this point. How long do you think they had that saved for? Oh, they had that to start the season without a doubt. They had that thing stocked, you know, locked and loaded, ready to go. And as I said, if they had beaten, say, Ohio State or something like that, that would have shown up then. But they were waiting for their first big victory over a quote-unquote superior opponent or, or higher-ranked opponent. That just happened to be UCF, and then they just they just unloaded on, on UCF. I kind of feel bad for them because that's, that's fantastic content. And to be on the other side of that is probably very disappointing. May hurt more than the actual loss itself. You know what, though? When you call yourself the national champion, when you're not actually the national champion— They're just joking around. They were. They, they, I don't think but they, they really But they did a parade. That. You know what? What goes around comes well, around. What else That's were they doing? What else is there to do with UCF? They have a banner. Dude, I mean, I will say this. When they when they play that Zombie Nation music at the beginning and they have, like, all the fans with their cell phones and the lights on, that's really cool. That's really cool. That's I like UCF for that. Otherwise, they kind of annoy me. But yeah, you heard it I'm here no first. Fun. Jimmy Sullivan's a hater. <laughs> I'm no fun. He's a hater. I'm no fun. I wasn't oh, a well. huge fan of, of that. What I was a huge fan of this weekend, Nick, was the performance of the Florida Gators, who we both thought were going to lose to Auburn at home at Ben Hill Griffin on Saturday. They didn't do that. They frustrated Bo Nix, the Auburn quarterback, all day long. They were able to get a 24-13 victory. Their defense played outstanding. Kyle Trask, another win. Has Florida's backup QB stepping in after the injury to Felipe Franks. Florida is now the seventh-ranked team in the country. We are approaching Columbus Day weekend. They are still undefeated. They've got LSU this week, but last week, a very impressive win over Auburn. And we kind of underestimated Florida a little bit, and that was a mistake on our part. But they deserve all the credit in the world. They played a heck of a game against a a really good Auburn team. Agreed, and I think it was the defense that we may have underestimated a little bit. It's that defense that we've been accustomed to seeing from Florida the last couple of years, right? Some of the things that stick out to me, Bo Nix, young quarterback, 11-27, 145 yards, turned the ball over three times with the three interceptions. So he was not comfortable, and he's a young player, yes, but a guy who has been comfortable in certain situations in the big moments, right? He's done enough to win games on the road against teams like Texas A&M. So I was surprised that Bo Nix didn't play as well as I thought he would, but at the end of the day, the credit has to go to Florida, who did a great job, uh, limited the running game for Auburn, 124 yards on the ground, which isn't terrible. And the the story of the game is third down. 2 of 14 for Auburn on third down, and you're not going to win that way. That's a great job by the Florida defense, and uh, I think they are a le- legitimate contender, contender, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Now, the offense, I don't think – can elevate them to a level of being a legitimate 
college football playoff contender, but I think they can stay in any game with a defense that plays that well. Yeah, and I kind of want to talk about Kyle Trask a little bit because he stepped in during the Kentucky game when Franks got hurt, and his numbers do not stick out to you. So in the three full games he's played, starting against Tennessee, I don't know if that counts, but 20 for 28, 293, (laughs) two TDs, two picks. I'm sorry, Tennessee's brutal. Uh, (laughs) And then they've got Towson. He completed 90% of his passes, 18 for 20, almost 200 yards, two TDs, no picks. Against Auburn, I thought this was, yes, you could say whatever you want about he's a game manager. I think that's kind of used as a slur sometimes. But 19 of 31, over 60% completion, 234, two TDs, no picks. And, and that was the difference. Florida didn't turn it over, right? Kyle Trask needs to be 2011 Jarrett Lee for this Florida team, if you were to make an analogy, right? He needs to not turn the ball over. He needs to make enough plays in the passing game. And Florida's going to win some games that way. Um, can they beat Alabama or Georgia or even an LSU this week doing that? Probably not, but Kyle Trask is a guy who's good enough to be a game manager, to make enough plays to keep his team in games, more importantly, not play them out of games, and sometimes that was kind of an issue with Felipe Franks, who would kind of turn the ball over, he would you know, make bad decisions. Kyle Trask, after that Tennessee game, has not done that. He's been really impressive with the ball, he's been protective of it, and Florida is the type of team that if you protect the ball, if you don't give it to the other team, that defense is good enough to single ha- not single-handedly win you a game, but really carry your team to victory. Florida's offense didn't do a ton on Saturday, but that defense holds Auburn to 13 points, and it's good enough for a win. And that's, I think, one of the other things you have to mention here is that Auburn's defense is really good. Mm. So, yes, Kyle Trask is not going to put up video game numbers, but that's a really good defense that did some really good things earlier in this season. So that's not to be dismissed. He's your backup quarterback. Let's not lose sight of that as well. That's the guy that you want to come in and manage the game. And, yes, you can call it a slur, and you can say that he's not that big-time dynamic type of talent. Well, I don't know how many teams have that out of their backup quarterback. It just really it doesn't happen. Maybe it's Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa. Those are the two, that the, the, the top two uh, in terms of depth chart that we've ever seen at the college football level where you have two really impact players on one roster. But otherwise – you don't have those two dynamic players uh, that are going to make an impact. So I'm not I'm not surprised that Kyle Trask isn't going in and lighting it up. I don't think that those are realistic ex- expectations. But when you have a defense that can limit an Auburn offense to two of fourteen on third down and limit them to 145 yards passing, that's a pretty darn good thing to work with. So. Kyle Trask doesn't need to be Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts or Tua or some ridiculous – doesn't have to be Tim Tebow. He's just got to do enough to allow that defense to win them the games, as you said. So a good job by Kyle Trask and really impressed with this Florida defense. Also, uh, LaMichael P. Ryan, just shout-out to him, had that big touchdown run as well. The video on Twitter was pretty hype. They, they tweeted out a video from the other end zone, Florida did, and they showed him that was breaking awesome. tackles. That was really cool. Yeah, Florida low-key, one of the best home field advantages in college football. We just haven't seen it enough because they haven't been good over the last five years. But possibly a program getting back into it with Dan Mullen. They've got a big game. That's a big win for Dan Mullen. That's a huge win for Dan Mullen. You know, you look at Florida the last couple of years and when Jim McElwain was there. When Jim McElwain first got there, kind of everything went right for them. In 2015, they won a bunch of close games. They went, I think, 9-3 and and went to the Outback Bowl. And things progressively got worse, and he eventually gets fired. Um, in a series of utterly ridiculous circumstances. 
they go out, they get Dan Mullen. They had a really good year last year, by the way. Finesse their way into the New Year's Six. Uh, didn't didn't really beat anybody, but they won ten games and they beat Michigan in in the uh, Peach Bowl. But there's a there's a Florida team that hey maybe they can go back there. Maybe they can you know be a New Year's Six type of team. I don't think they're a playoff team. I don't think everybody's saying that, but. It's a solid team, and I think it's a team that maybe we underestimated a little bit because they really hadn't played a ton of great teams, and they almost lost to Miami week one. But they deserve some credit for this one because that's that's not a bad Auburn team, and we, we both really liked Auburn coming into that one. But credit to Florida. They get a big win. They've got a big game coming up this week, and we'll parlay that into our discussion of week seven. Start with the Florida-LSU game. We might as well um, because we were just talking about Florida. And this is a matchup. This is a top seven matchup. LSU five, Florida seven. Uh, two teams coming into this game undefeated. College game day is actually going to, to Death Valley uh, this week, I believe. Uh, LSU comes in as a 13-point favorite. Uh, they've got, for the first time that I can remember in my lifetime, a really explosive, dangerous offense behind Joe Burrow, who's quickly becoming a Heisman contender. Um, whether you realize it or not, he's a guy who's really been impressive this year. 22 touchdowns for him in just six games for LSU. He's been really, really solid for the Tigers. And uh, this is a game that could really start to separate teams in the college football playoff discussion. People are referring to this as separation Saturday. I kind of like that idea because, you know, you've got a couple big games. You've got Oklahoma, Texas. You've got Florida, LSU. And we'll start with this Florida-LSU game because I find this one kind of interesting to see where Florida's at coming into this one. LSU, a clear favorite. These teams are basically even, evenly ranked. I don't know if they're evenly matched. And this could be a real differentiator, uh, differentiator I can't talk, in the SEC as between Florida, who comes in undefeated, but in the SEC East, Auburn's the best team they've played this year, and an LSU team that's played a couple of teams like Texas at a conference, and they come in undefeated as well. And they've got high aspirations as well. They think they can go to the college football playoff. There are a few numbers when you look at this matchup that really pop off the page. How about Joe Burrow, 22 touchdowns to three interceptions on yeah. the year? So he's been fantastic. Let's go down the list. Points per game for LSU, 54 and a half. They, they, that offense is really unbelievable. What actually may be more impressive than the 54 and a half points a game is that they're putting up 571 yards of offense a game. That's just unbelievable, especially from LSU, right, from a program that historically is playing a lot like Florida is this year where it's do enough on offense, this is going to be a defense that's going to be lights out and shut you down. This is not, as we were talking about, your dad's LSU. These, these guys are really good offensively and have some dynamic weapons. Joe Burrow playing fantastically. And I, I'm surprised a bit to see that the spread is as lopsided as it is, but I would not be surprised at all to see LSU cover because I think that Florida with the way they've played deserves a little bit more respect than that but at the same time I think LSU can go into this game at home win big because that offense as great as Florida has played on defense I think it's going to present a lot of issues especially with a guy who's as experienced and playing as well as Joe Burrow by the way 571 yards per game for LSU 416 passing if I would have told you an LSU team five years ago would have done that you would tell me I was crazy. I mean, this has never been a team to do that, like you said. This is going to be an interesting game, but honestly, I like LSU a lot in this matchup. I think LSU is good enough to go to the playoff. I'm not saying it's going to happen just because of scheduling. They've got to play Alabama. They've got a tough remainder of their schedule. LSU is talented enough to go to the playoff. I sincerely believe that. Their defense is good enough. This is the best offense 
maybe in the history of the school, um, at least that I can remember. Joe Burrow is unbelievable. I was talking about him as a Heisman contender before. 22 TDs, three picks. That'll put you in the Heisman uh, discussion mighty quick. So I I would put Joe Burrow up there, and I think LSU gets a a win over Florida. And also, let's remember, too, there's a game in Death Valley. Teams just don't go into Death Valley and win. Even when LSU the last couple of years was, was not as good as they are this year, teams were not going into Death Valley and winning. You know, Death Valley is a tough game, with the exception of the Alabama game last year, which was which was kind of a stinker. But other than that, teams have a hard time going into Death well, Valley. Well, I was going to say victories. that everybody who's not Alabama yeah. has a lot of, but that can be said about a lot of the things. No, I, I think that the the home field advantage is is not something that you can ignore either. But to me, it's really just the offense. I mean, you can talk about the crowd all you want, but it's tough to play them anywhere. It'd be tough to play them on the moon because Joe Burrow is playing at a ridiculous rate right now, and their defense is still really good. Yeah. That's a really good defense. That's the classic LSU defense that you're accustomed to. That's a that's a really well-run team, and offensively they're great. Joe Burrow has been absolutely unbelievable, and uh, and and I just don't see how you can pick against them right now. I think it'll be tough for Florida's defense to translate what they did against Auburn against a, a freshman quarterback to the way they're going to play against a more experienced guy in Joe Burrow. I think Joe Brady's got to be coordinator of the year, right? Yeah. He's got to be up there. I mean, this offense is night and day from what he took over in the offseason, but he's done a great job. Uh, you're picking LSU in this one? Absolutely. Yeah, you think uh, – how much do you think they win by? I think they win by a couple touchdowns. I think they'll cover the spread. Yeah, I'll go with 17. I'll say hmm. I'll say 35-17, so 18. I'm bad at math. But, yeah, I'm going to say 35-17. I think LSU takes it handily and – Gets a big win and, and moves themselves a little closer to SEC championship college football playoff discussion. Obviously, they still have to play a bunch of good teams. But speaking of college football playoff and, and SEC, a team we have not talked about on this podcast, we were talking about this before the show, we haven't really talked about Alabama. You know, kind of, they ho-hum, go about their business. It's kind of redundant. Yeah, you may, you, you may as well just not because they, they haven't really played basically any close games. But they've got an interesting one this weekend. They might make a mockery out of it, but they're on the road at Texas A&M. Another tough place to play. Uh, Alabama now the number one ranked team in the country after Clemson's near miss last week. Um, And they go into College Station. Again, a place, like we said, traditionally not easy to play. Texas A&M has lost a couple big games this year. They lost to Clemson. They lost to Auburn. Jimbo Fisher's guys kind of been up and down a little bit. Feels like they might be a year away, but... It's kind of a big game for both teams. Yes, Alabama's going to be favored, and yes, they probably should win this game, but you go into College Station, you kind of figure out where your strengths and weaknesses are, and it's an Alabama team last week, gave up 31 points to Ole Miss. The defense, I look at their defense, and I'm not sure if it's you know the typical dominant Alabama defense. I mean, they didn't have that last year either, but they were able to get over it with the offense, and I'm kind of seeing the same types of things with them this year, and I'm a bit concerned for Alabama. I think ultimately they will be fine. They are my national championship pick. I'm not wavering off that. But I see some concerns with Alabama, and I think this is a week where they could, not necessarily, but they could get exposed a little bit. I think that, again, we were talking about some of the numbers in the last matchup, but 325 yards allowed is a little bit significant. That's not that's not the Alabama defense that you're used to seeing of, of smothering of smothering other teams and really beating them down, especially when you're not playing the competition that is going to be there at the end of the season. Alabama hasn't really played uh, too too many solid teams, right? So that's something that's striking. But at the same time, 
they're putting up 554 yards of total offense every game. That's that's their average, right? So you still have a quarterback who is very experienced in Tua Tagovailoa, has the championship pedigree, winning that that championship as a freshman. Again, didn't go well. Maybe some injury concerns as the season wound down last year. But again, I still think that that offense can carry them through because Tua, when he's been healthy, has done a fantastic job. And I think it's only become an issue with him against Clemson, number one, and a, and a ridiculous defense that they had last year, but also uh, when he hasn't been fully healthy. So I think Tua is at full strength, and I think he's showing you how well he can play and how well he can carry that offense. Alabama's receiving core is ridiculous. Jerry Judy's a, a fantastic playmaker, right? So I'm confident in Alabama, certainly not going to pick them to lose at Texas A&M because, as you mentioned, I do agree with you that A&M's a year away and I don't think that Kellen Mond can make enough plays. He didn't show that against Auburn. I don't think he can make enough plays to, to then suddenly beat Alabama. But I, I agree with you. The, the defense is a little bit of a concern going forward. But at the same time, again, as we tend to do with college football, maybe read into things a little bit too much. They, these are young guys, and especially when they don't have a lot of experience with the way that Alabama will turn over and, and losing guys to the, to the NFL – Quinn Williams comes to mind as a big force of that defense that they lost last year, right? It might take them a little bit of time. I think they can get it corrected, and I don't think they will be staring down a Clemson team at the end of the season that is as good as it was last year, especially defensively. So you can not hit the panic button yet. I don't think there's any reason to. They're going to beat Texas A&M this weekend. So I'm, I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing from Alabama just sure up that defense a little bit. Yeah, and I think you need to remember, too, they kind of have played to the level of their opponent, right? They gave up 23 to South Carolina, 31 to Ole Miss. But those games were blowouts. Those games were over, you know, in the second and third quarters. And those were not close games. And I think sometimes defensively you kind of let your foot off the gas in, in those types of games. So I don't know if it's as big of a concern. I go back to two years ago. Alabama went into College Station, and, and A&M gave them a game. Uh, and that was before Jimbo got there, obviously. It was the last year of Kevin Sumlin, but... A&M gave them a game, and I'm not picking a and I don't think they're going to win. Uh, yes, they're a ranked team, and they're respectable, and Jimbo Fisher's building a really good thing over there. I don't think they're going to win. But one, Jimbo Fisher is a guy who has always had his teams ready to play in big games, and I don't see that changing in a situation like this. And two, I, I just think there's something about whether it's playing at home or, or that energy or whatever else it is, Texas A&M's kind of a different team there. And yes, is Are they favored? No. Should they win? Probably not. Will they win? I don't think so either. But can they make it competitive? Yes. Could it be a, you know, a 10-point game or even a 7-point game? I wouldn't be stunned. I mean, I, I can just see possibly, possibly Alabama being given a difficult game here. And, and again, I don't think they're going to lose. I don't even think they're going to be taking that much to the wall. But I think Texas A&M is the type of team, especially at home, that can be competitive. We saw them do it to Clemson last year. They were within a, a two-point conversion away from tying that game. So I, I, I don't know if it's going to be that close, but I think Texas A&M is going to give Alabama a competitive run for their money, if not necessarily a real scare. And you know what you're going to get from a Jimbo Fisher coach yep. team, a guy who has some history with Nick Saban was on his staff at one point, right? But he knows how to play Nick Saban. So make no mistake about it, Texas A&M is going to be ready to play. 
and I agree with you 100% that I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit closer than people anticipate, but I just don't think that A&M has the horses to keep up with, especially on the defensive side for A&M, opposing that dynamic offense that Alabama possesses. I don't think that in the end they have enough to stay with that. I don't think Kellen Mond can put up enough points, but I would not be surprised if Anna makes it competitive because that's how how highly I think of Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, I love Jimbo Fisher, and <laughs> how much do they miss him at Tallahassee right now? <laughs> that, a lot. That t- yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that program is nowhere near. I saw a picture, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, it was kickoff of an FSU game, and the place was like 30% full. It was pathetic. And I, I used to remember... You know, as a kid, even when even like the late Bowden years, that never happened no. at FSU. So that's that's sad to see from from their perspective. But that's that's just my little uh, spiel about Florida State and uh, lamenting my youth also as well. So uh, the other game I want to get into this week, this game last year, I don't know if you agree with me on this. This was my favorite game last year, Oklahoma, Texas, second weekend in October. Uh Oklahoma got all it can handle and more from Texas. Wound up winning on a game-winning kick from our favorite kicker, Cameron Dicker, uh, winning 48-45 at the end of regulation. It is a Red River rematch. I'm not even going to say riv- try to say rivalry because that that's just going to come out wrong. But number six Oklahoma, number eleven Texas, a different cast of characters this year, at least for Oklahoma. Jalen Hurts is the quarterback. Kyler Murray was last year. Oklahoma fell behind big in that game last year. Came back and tied it before the game-winning kick from Texas. Texas comes in at 4-1. and one. Oklahoma comes in undefeated. Jalen Hurts has looked mighty good for Lincoln Riley's team. He has looked like potentially a, a Heisman contender, maybe even a Heisman frontrunner at this point in the season. This is an interesting game from a number of levels, and Oklahoma comes in as a favorite, but I think, at least from my point of view, no matter where the teams are ranked, no matter what's going on in their seasons, this game... Pretty much always turns out to be really good, even when Texas was down a few years ago. And I don't expect anything different this Saturday in Texas. I think the spread is a little bit high. Ten and a half, I don't think, does this game justice because the one thing about Oklahoma, as well as they've played, is they haven't played anybody. Yeah, that's true. Kansas, Texas Tech, UCLA, Houston, they haven't played anybody. And Texas's one loss is to LSU and we just got done talking about how good a team they are. So I think there's always a little bit of an adjustment period when you're talking about playing a good team for the first time. Texas has that experience, and Oklahoma hasn't done that. Now, I would also tell you that it's never smart in any situation to bet against Lincoln Riley. Uh, He's just that good. We talked about Jimbo Fisher. Well, multiply that by about 10 with the way Lincoln Riley can coach football. So I don't think it's smart to bet against Oklahoma. I'm really impressed with the way he's gotten Jalen Hurts to do it again. He's done it with Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, and now Jalen Hurts. 14 touchdowns, two interceptions. They're scoring 54 points a game. So this is an offense that's for real. 643 yards a game. That's that's unbelievable. It's ridiculous. It's video games. But I think that Texas can make this game close, and I wouldn't be surprised if Texas wins. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm going to pick Oklahoma, but I think Texas can can make this game competitive because I like Sam Ellinger. I, I think he's he's a pretty darn good quarterback, and especially against an Oklahoma defense that isn't very good, I think they can, can make this thing competitive because he did it against LSU, and LSU is a much more challenging opponent against anything that Oklahoma is going to present to you defensively. 
So especially in a rivalry game, you talk about the emotions, everything else. I think you pick Oklahoma, but I don't think they'd cover the 10.5-point the spread. Sam Ellinger's having a really good year, by the way. 17 TDs, just two picks. I mean, he's this was a guy that was getting kind of down-ballot Heisman talk, and I, I've read a couple of polls this week, you know, early season Heisman picks, and again, it's way early for that. But no one is talking about Sam Ellinger, and I was stunned because he's having a great year. He's having one of the best years out of any quarterback this year. My counterpoint on who Oklahoma has played, and yes, they have not played anybody, but you know, you look at Texas's schedule, Louisiana Tech, they had the tough game against LSU, they lost by a touchdown, but then at Rice, home for Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State's having a pretty good year, and then at West Virginia. You know, that schedule is not great either. Granted, they do have the big game experience. That was at home. And and this game, for all intents and purposes, is a neutral site game because you go to the Cotton Bowl. Yes, it's in Texas, but they're going to sell the same amount of seats to Oklahoma and Texas fans. So this game is, is always straight down the middle, no matter who's technically home. And I believe Texas is technically the home team in this game, but it, it really doesn't matter. Um, so they do have the big game experience, like you said, but I still trust Oklahoma's offense just a tab more because, you know, Lincoln Riley... In terms of being, I don't know if you want to call him an innovator or even just an elite strategist, he, he's the best in college football. He is amazing, especially offensively. He'll have his guys ready for that game. Uh, there's going to be a lot of points. Um, I don't know what the over-under is on this game. It's probably not high enough. Um, I, I would take 76 the 76 and a half. 76 and a half. I was thinking higher. Um, <laughs> my total, I'll just give my pick right now. Might as well. Uh, I was going Oklahoma 48, Texas 40. That would have been my pick. That would have been 88. So I, I, I think... There's going to be a lot of points in this game. Both defenses are not great. That's what doomed Oklahoma last year. It's going to doom them again before the end of the year this year. But those offenses can put up points. I just like Oklahoma have has a couple more horses in the tank, and I think Jalen Hurts is going to have another great game like he has for Lincoln Riley all year. And I think, uh, I think Oklahoma is going to pull through with a win here. But again, like you, and I agree with you on this one, I think it's going to be a really solid game. I think that uh, Oklahoma might be getting a little too much credit here because they haven't played anybody, but I still think Oklahoma's going to be able to go in there, get the win. And then you look at the rest of Oklahoma's schedule. Now, they, like we said, they come into this game undefeated. But, you know, the, for Oklahoma, they obviously have bigger aspirations, right? They've been to the playoff the last two years, and you kind of want to finish the job if you're them. After Texas, they've got West Virginia, then Kansas State, Iowa State, at Baylor, Baylor's ranked now. They're t- they're twenty second, but then home for TCU, and then their final game of the year is Bedlam at Oklahoma State. So this is I don't want to say it's the last hard game on Oklahoma's schedule until the Big Twelve title, but it kind of is. And if they win this game, then they're looking right down the bar- barrel at potentially being able to run the table. Now, yes, there could be obstacles and there are always upsets, but. It's an Oklahoma team that they look at this game as a serious chance to say, hey, we're going to beat somebody really good, and then after that, we're going to beat everybody else too, and we're going to go into the Big 12 title game at 12-0, and and then we're going to win, and then we're going to go to the playoff. That's what they're thinking. They probably would be staring down Texas again. So yeah. that's, the, that's the difficulty, right, because you're talking about a game that we both think is going to be pretty close, winning that game twice. That's difficult to beat a team twice. But I, I agree with you. They don't have a lot left on their schedule. I think Oklahoma State may be a better team than maybe people give them credit for. But, again, that could present some potential issues. I don't think in any way you would pick Oklahoma State to beat Oklahoma. It's just not a smart idea. I don't, I don't think that Oklahoma State's that good. 
right? So, so yeah, I, and I think that, that Oklahoma has the opportunity to get where they want to go. I think that offense will carry them there defensively, again, as we've talked about ad nauseum about Oklahoma for the last couple of years. You hope can put something respectable on the field and continue to improve, but we'll, we'll see where it goes. I like Oklahoma. I think that Lincoln Riley gives them a significant advantage over anyone they play. Texas, again, they're getting there. I like what they're doing. I think Oklahoma is going to win this game, but beating them twice is going to be an interesting conversation, which is what I expect Oklahoma will have to do to get to the playoffs. Well, Oklahoma didn't beat them twice last year. No. They lost, and then they went back in the Big tw- uh, 12 title game, and they took care of business and got to the playoffs. So it be interesting to see what happens uh, there. Just a, a quick look at maybe one or two other games here. we got USC-Notre Dame. I- I'm not – particularly keen on this game. I think Notre Dame's going to win by a lot. Um, Keaton Slovis, though, and this is important, is back for USC. So that gives them, I would say, at least a puncher's chance against Notre Dame. But I think you have to go with Notre Dame in this one. Notre Dame's Dame's a really solid team. Um, They're not as good as last year, but they're really solid. They could go to to an year six bowl. Um, Let's look around here. we got Michigan State-Wisconsin at 330. I think Wisconsin's going to win that game as well. Although that's kind of a trap game. Um, I'm a Wisconsin fan, I know. Uh, they, they listen. They got past Northwestern. That's all I care about. Um, but yeah, not too much else going on Friday night. You got Virginia Miami. That's your game right there. There you go. <laughs> you hate to see it. Um, that's actually kind of an interesting game. Miami's a favorite, uh, even though Virginia's ranked. So yeah, should be an interesting week of college football. Uh, heading into what could be the first real separation Saturday of the year. You've got. Teams vying for playoff position and teams that are still undefeated, and some of those are going to go by the wayside this weekend. Um, it should be a, a pretty interesting week. Um, we'll see how much separation there actually is next week. I know we kind of go into this thinking, oh, there's going to be a ton of games that go the other way, and it just doesn't happen. But, Nick, any uh, any final thoughts as we head into week seven of the college football season? No, really excited for this Oklahoma-Texas Red River, Red River rivalry. <laughs> I, I knew that I shouldn't have attempted to say it because I was going to screw it up, right? But Oklahoma-Texas, I think that's the game of the week, and I'm really interested to see how it goes because I think it's going to be really close. And I am picking Oklahoma, as I said earlier, but I think Texas can give – the Sooners a run for their money, and I would be very interested in watching that game. So that's where I will be at noon on Saturday. So that'll be that'll certainly be an interesting game. I'll be checking up on that one for sure. We both have Oklahoma, and we both have LSU over Florida. Those are the two big games this weekend. But enjoy all the other ones as well. Alongside my partner, Nick DeLuca, thank you again for listening in. This is the Week 7 edition of College Gridiron. I'm Jimmy Sullivan saying so long. Hope you have a better Wednesday than the Atlanta Braves did, by the way, just on a a finishing note. (laughs) They're in the third inning as we record this, but I have no confidence in them finishing this off. For Dick, I'm Jimmy. Thank you for listening.